Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. I don't know about you, but this season at the moment in our world, in our culture, feels burdensome. It feels difficult. Um, I was walking the dog the other day at about six o'clock and it had gone dark. A month ago, it was pretty light and lovely and it was sunny. And instead, I walked the dog in the dark. I didn't see as many people as usual. And I had to dry him against his protestations when I got home. It made quite a simple activity quite difficult. There's lots of other more important things going on that can make us feel weary. Abby and I do a lot of driving um, for her work and for my work. And a year ago, you could buy petrol for 139 pence a litre, for those who are keeping track of those things. The average this month is 165 pence a litre. And what it means is we've tried to stretch our petrol further. We've tried to be more cautious about when we fill it up and where we fill it up. We try to go that little bit longer before we refill. And I'm going to stretch this fuel metaphor to the limit um, during this sermon. And I'm going to look at eight reasons why we might run out of petrol. Um, Some of which I've borrowed from a sermon from Rip Warren. So if you want to be pointed in that direction later, uh, let me know. We're going to see that there are parallels between fuel tanks and our spiritual health. The way we fill ourselves up and the way we live our lives. So we're going to start with reason one why you might run out of fuel. On a journey, the key reason why you might run out of fuel is that you've started with an empty tank. You haven't started with a full tank. How we start our days sets up your entire life. If you start a journey down to London at 20%, you're not going to make it. If you start your day, your every day, stressing and rushing to get into your day with not enough rest and sleep, then you're in for a bad day. Reason one. Reason two is that you get too busy to pause and refuel. We know that we're busy, we know that you need to refuel, and you don't take the time to stop and do it. In this event, you're probably looking at that little dial that tells you you're running out of fuel and thinking, I can just push it a little bit further. I'll push myself on and deal with it later. In life, as on a journey, you need to build in regular periods of refueling, spiritually and emotionally, or you're going to run out of fuel. Reason three is that you've become unaware of the leaks that are happening in your car. Cars run out of petrol when there's a leak, and it's easy for those to develop without us noticing, especially now as cars get more and more complicated and we don't always understand how they work. And in our lives, there are kind of two categories of leak that can seep in. You've got relationships and you've got responsibilities. I'm sure all of us sitting here today have examples in your life of relationships that are draining. Sometimes that becomes clear from the moment you meet someone that they're going to drain your life. But often relationships become draining over time and they slowly take away your joy, your enjoyment, your peace. And responsibilities can do exactly the same thing. The more responsibilities you pile up in your life, the more places that you might spring a leak spreading yourself thinner and thinner and leaving yourself exhausted. And reason four that you might run out of fuel is ignoring the owner's manual. 
Um, if you own a car, you can picture it right now. In your glove box, unread and unloved, in pristine condition, is a manual on how your car works. <laughs> Many of us only seem to open it when there's a problem with the car, right? Uh, a few of you are giggling, laughing. I think you can picture being at the side of the road going, why on earth is this light on? And the creators of the car have tested it over and over and over again and then put in the manual exactly how big your car tank is and exactly how far it can go when it's full. The creators knew exactly what that tank could manage and have provided you that information, but you've set out on the journey without even looking at it. Abby Allsop's having a giggle. Uh, you might well have faced that problem. We have an owner's manual for life. You can see where this is going. We have the Bible. And if we ignore that owner's manual, we're going to run out of fuel. God has given us a certain size tank, and we have to kind of live with that. If you don't, you're going to push your body, your mind, your life beyond its limits. One of my favorite verses in the Bible that I struggle with um, putting into place is that it says that every seven days, you should take a full day off. It's right in the beginning, close to the Ten, well, in the Ten Commandments, right next to don't murder and don't commit adultery. It's right there as one of the main things in our life. It's how we keep our engine in good condition. A Sabbath is for rest. It's to refresh our soul in worship. It's to invest in our relationships and revitalize our life. I don't know about you, but I like the idea that it's biblical, that if you're exhausted today, the best thing you can do for your spiritual life is go home and take a nap after this service. <laughs> rest yourself. It's been a busy week, and I'm really considering doing it myself. And so, reason five why you might run out of fuel. The faster that you drive, the faster you're going to use up your petrol, right? So imagine um, that you're driving down the road at 40 miles an hour, and someone speeds past you. They're going to get to the same place. They're going to get to the same destination. They're going to get there a little bit quicker, maybe. Or they're going to use up their fuel and get stuck, because going faster takes more energy. Hurry depletes our emotions, our energy, and empties our tank much faster than taking things steadily. And that's a question we can all ask ourselves. What is the speed of our life right now? If you're going at record speed, do you really think you can make it to your goal? And then reason six why we might run out of fuel is getting distracted and not seeing the warning signs. When you're driving, there are those little dials that come up right in front of you, and they tell you how much petrol you have left. But it's easy to be so focused on the road and the destination that you don't look down and notice them. Or maybe you do notice them, but you choose to ignore them because you don't want to deal with it, or you're hoping that they're exaggerating, that you can go a little bit further than the red zone says. And there are similar warning signs in our lives. I don't know about you, but for me, sleep is a key warning sign that I need to stop. If I'm struggling to sleep, it means I've taken on too much and I'm struggling. And the last few nights, I've had a few rough nights of sleep, and it's a good sign that the responsibilities in my life have built up. I'm doing too much, and I need to slow down and rethink what I'm doing. I might need to go and take that nap after this service. For other people, you're going to have different warning signs. For some people, it's going to be irritability. How are you communicating with the people around you? How are you finding what they're saying and doing? Friends, spouses, or co-workers, they're going to be the victim of your warning signs going off. And they're going to be the ones to notice. It's important to listen to those signs. And then reason seven why we might run out of fuel is overloading the car in the first place. You're carrying too much stuff. 
very simply, the sooner that you, the more you put on your plate, the more you put in your car, the heavier it is and the more energy you need to get to that destination. And it's easy to get to that point. You don't overload all at once overnight. You add one thing here, a new commitment, a new relationship, a new project at work, and they build and they build and they build until they occupy all the space in our tank and weigh us down. When I was younger, I was a little bit obsessed with fire, and at, not in an arsonistic way, uh, but when uh, we'd go down at Christmas to my aunt's house, she had this big open fire, and, they would pile, and I would like to pile it high with coals and all the different things you can put on it, but the problem was I'd pile it so high that there wasn't enough space for oxygen to let it breathe, and the fire would go out. Deciding what to take on, what to put on your plate, and what not to are just as important as each other. And finally, reason eight why you might run out of fuel is pride. The faster we try and accelerate, the more we assume that the limits don't apply to us, the faster we run out of fuel. I want you to imagine that you're on the Kingsway into Manchester, and you've reached a red light in your little car. Next to you is a black Audi A1, and they're revving their engines... They're revving and they're revving. They want you to notice that they're sitting in their little Audi. And as soon as the light goes green, they accelerate rapidly and speed off. Invariably, they get caught at the next lights because they're going too fast and you catch up with them. But in that time, you've probably used double, triple the petrol you have. It's a complete waste. It was about showing that they could go faster, not actually getting to their destination faster. Ego is going to cause you to get a really empty tank really quickly. So we've sped through eight very petrol-heavy metaphors on how we can run out of energy and run out of fuel. And we've seen how they can kind of spiritually mirror our lives. But luckily, we're not going to end there. That would be a, a slightly strange place to finish. But we're going to explore how we can keep our tank full lower our burdens, and make it to the destinations that God has in mind for us. Um, We're going to use Matthew 11, um, verses 28 to 30. So if you have a Bible, turn to that. If not, it will be. Yes, it is behind me. Mark is doing a fantastic job this morning. It says this. Then Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary. Let's pause for a second. If anyone here has never been weary, this is not for you, but I don't think... That applies to anyone in this room. And carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. We're going to find four steps from that passage on how we can lower our burdens, how we can give them to Jesus, and how we can keep our tanks filled up. If you're someone who likes to take notes, this is your time to shine. I've given you quite a structured sermon today, uh, which is not my normal way. I've had many complaints in the past about my stream of consciousness. Uh, So here we go. Four clear steps. Step one, you need to be dissatisfied. If you're going to lower your burdens you need to know that something is wrong. You're not going to make positive change unless you get dissatisfied with how your life is. If you're living in a rut, you're going to stay there. It's easy to live your entire life in a place of tiredness and weariness because you feel so tired and weary 
that you can't address it, that you feel like you don't have time to address it, that you feel like it's tomorrow's problem, but you will never get out of that place unless you take it by the horns and say, this is wrong, I don't want to live like this anymore, and things can be better. But honestly, what, what does it take to get there? It takes pain. Change rarely happens when we have a moment of seeing the light, but instead we can no longer stand the heat that we're in, the situation that we're in. Because when we fall down and we go, we can't manage it anymore, that puts us in a position to look up and see God right there. When you're lying on your back, you're pointed up towards the heavens is uh, one way I heard of putting it that I really love. And Psalm 23 puts it a bit like this. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Sometimes the shepherd has to force us to lie down and rest. Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens. To do that, you've got to accept that you're carrying heavy burdens. You've got to recognise that you're tired and running on empty. You've got to ask yourself, am I fed up? with the pace of life, with the things I'm doing, with the responsibilities I carry, with the relationships that are draining me, and say that you're willing to do something. If you're dissatisfied and you make a decision, then you're not going to break. You're going to have a breakthrough. Things are going to change. And in our life and our culture, we're told that the solution to our problems is to try something else, to pile on the burden, to improve ourselves, sometimes just to kind of give up and just say we're fine as we are. And that doesn't work. It doesn't create change. The only way to create change is to come to Jesus. And that is step two. Step two is coming to Jesus. It's right there in the text. Jesus in this passage uses three verbs, come, take, and learn, which in the version I read is, I will teach. Jesus says, come to me. Bring me the pain in your life. Bring me the shame in your life. Bring me your frustrations. Bring me the obstacles that are in your way, the sin that you carry, everything that is holding you back. Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Notice who you're coming to and what he's giving you. He doesn't say, come to church, come to religion, engage in some rituals, follow some traditions. The antidote isn't a rigid plan for time management. It's a person. On Thursday, Abby and I were really struggling with this week and everything that's come up for work. I've been sent to multiple different cities in the same week and it's been getting a little bit frustrating and that's had an effect on us. Um, So we sat down and we did exactly what the the antidote isn't. We made a rigid plan for our time and the way we were going to use it. And that was useful. There is use to planning our diaries. But more importantly, we laid it before God and we asked him to speak. And the plan didn't quite happen as we expected it. Things haven't exactly worked out, but I can say right here this morning that God has transformed my perspective and my outlook because I spent the time with him for it. He does that because he tells us to come with him, to come to him with our burdens. What we need is not a plan, but a relationship. People come to Jesus for all kinds of things in the Bible. Some come for healing, some come for food, some came with questions and doubts, and some came just for the spectacle of seeing what a crowd was doing. Jesus spoke to them all. He stood at the top of the mountain and spoke. He answered the questions of the doubters. He healed the sick. He engaged with everyone who came. Verse 
29 says that Jesus will give you rest for your soul. The problem isn't the physical situation, but it's a tired soul underpinning it all. Whether you're lonely, whether you're broken, whether you're sinning, whether you're stressed, whether you're just overworked, or whether you're completely bored and you don't have enough going on, he wants you to come. We need a rest from tension, from hurry, from worry, from our own expectations. And John 6.37, one of my favourite verses in the Bible, says that whoever comes to Jesus will never be rejected. Anyone who comes and comes before the Lord is heard and gets to have a relationship with our great saviour. That's good news. That's something that I'm pretty joyful about. And then I want to think about how do we unwind when you're emotionally exhausted? Maybe you're the sort of person you get home after a long day, you crash out on the sofa, you watch some mindless TV, you see what's happening on some reality show that is endless and pointless, but it's kind of good fun to watch. Maybe you're the opposite and you like to go the other way at the end of a busy day. You like to go out and do some sports, stretch yourself. Maybe you're an intellectual, you curl up and read a book. Maybe there is no time for any of these things and you're too overburdened and a couple of you laughed, so this is right for you. Whatever you do, those things rest your physical self, but not your spiritual self. Jesus says, come to him to find rest for your soul. Isaiah puts it like this in chapter 40, uh, verse 31. Those who wait on the Lord will find new strength. It's the opposite of what our culture tells us to do. We're bombarded with messages that we need to improve ourselves, to try more and have more, to do more, to solve our own problems, and that will make us happy. The message that Jesus has in this passage and throughout the Bible is, come to me, listen to me, wait on me, And there you're going to find healing, you're going to find rest, and you're going to find strength. And that takes something from us. Step three is to lower our burdens, is to give up control. The reason that you are overloaded is an attempt to control everything for yourself. The greater your need to control things that are happening, the more stressed you're going to be. And sooner or later, you're going to realise that the most important things in your life are beyond your control and down to God. The only thing that God asks you to control in your life is yourself, self-control. You can't control your parents, you can't control your situations, you can't control the past or the future, you can't control the government, no one can do that. In everything else, we have to give up control. In this passage, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. If a yoke feels archaic to you, then let's stop and understand it. A yoke allows two animals to be brought together to pull a cart or a piece of machinery. It lightens and spreads the load. We've got a helpful graphic. The yoke is the thing in the middle. Um, And that helps, that's connected to the cart and the two animals pull the cart together. It lightens and spreads the load between them because you're not pulling it yourself. Jesus is saying, yoke up with me and I will help carry your burdens. The reason that we're often stressed out and overwhelmed is that we carry everything by ourselves. And that was never how we were designed at the beginning. We were designed to be in perfect relationship with our Father in heaven. To never carry our own burdens, but to do it in a relationship and in love with God. A yoke is a symbol of partnership. Yoking with Jesus can never add to your burden because Jesus carries no burdens. The burden he carried has been dealt with and paid on the cross. 
He is light and he is easy. And when we combine ourselves with him, when we yoke ourselves to him, he's not putting anything on your shoulders. He's taking what's on your shoulders upon his. And that is probably the best news that I have this morning. If you feel stressed, overwhelmed, tired, burdened, not sure, then it means one thing. You're not yoked to Jesus right now. For his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And what I'm saying here is not that you don't know Jesus, but that you're not living in a place of partnership and relationship with Jesus. You're not allowing him to carry the load. And what you'll find is every time you get distracted from that relationship with Jesus, you're going to get more burdened and more stressed. But when we yoke to Jesus, we get to move together in the same direction and at the same pace. Being yoked means we can't be led astray because someone is guiding us. You can't go faster and you can't go in a different direction. And this is frustrating. I don't know about you, but I often find that God has a different pace for things than I do. He wants things to happen at a different time and a different speed to how I would like them to happen. Maybe you're thinking about moving job or moving city or entering into a new relationship and it's not happening for you. And that is frustrating and that is difficult. But when we're in line with God, when we're yoked to him, things move in the direction they're meant to move and at the pace they're meant to move. If Christ is setting the pace, then this verse tells us that our life will be light and easy, not in terms of not having things to face, but facing them with the person who can carry them. Sometimes it's easy to think that the answer is to try and escape our busyness, book a holiday, get out of town, ask someone else to to solve a problem. The problem is you're the person who goes on that holiday. The problem is a spiritual one, is a soul one, not a circumstance one. And those circumstances after a holiday, you come straight back into, you re-enter them. But when you ask God to take place, to take your place, to take that yoke upon him, he picks up the pace and it gets lighter and it gets easier. That isn't an overnight thing. It takes time. But it does happen. Step four, and this is, I think, the big one. Because we're laying ourselves before God, we're giving up control, and then the temptation is to try and claw back control again. Right? We've given up, we've asked God to put his yoke upon us, and then actually we get a bit annoyed, get a bit distracted, things aren't working out. We want to take them back. We want to take back the control we've given over and we're told to worry less and trust more Matthew 29 29 says let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your soul gentleness and humility is the answer to trust Jesus modeled for us how he should live and how we should live He never seemed to be in a rush in the Bible. I don't know if you noticed this. Crowds would come and he'd go off up the mountain to spend time with his father when all these people wanted to hear from him. He'd go back home and see his friends and his family. He'd retreat into the quiet place to be filled up and renewed. Yet all this pressure was around him. Thousands of people coming for healings, for miracles, for the word of God. But Jesus trusted his father and wanted to spend time with him. If you want to be healthy and balanced, then we need to learn that lesson from Jesus. Learning is a process and it takes time. You didn't get overloaded overnight. You didn't get burdened overnight. It built up one thing at a time, one event at a time. 
And sometimes there are those big life-changing things that push you over the edge. But they're never alone. And you can't get light and easy overnight. But whatever you have learned, whatever you have picked up can be unlearned and can be put down. And then you can learn these lessons from Jesus. How to be gentle and humble. Maybe you would have preferred if Jesus had said, learn from me because I have endless energy and an ability to work harder than everyone else. No, he says, be gentle and humble. We don't want to wait. We don't want to pause and consider. We don't want to take that step that I said at the very beginning to stop the car and refuel it because it feels like we're delaying the things we need to do. But Jesus taught us to go to the quiet place, to stop, to refresh. And I think the secret of that, the secret of Jesus's peace, is that he tells us he only does what the Father tells him to do. He didn't plot his own path. In the book of John, it says 12 separate times from the mouth of Jesus that he only did what his Father told him to do. He only came to do his Father's will. Why don't we try trusting God instead of worrying and see if that lowers the overload in our life? Why don't we try reading the manual that we have in front of us? What it says about our situations, the obstacles we face and the sins we're struggling with. Why don't we come to God and follow those steps to admit we have a problem, to come to Jesus, to lower our burdens by giving up control and to learn to trust, to stay in that place to be with God.